Hi everyone, hope you're doing well. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Young Minds Matter Therapy Tuesday podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, we welcome you. So this podcast is a weekly podcast where we share stories and experiences of young people that don't get told anywhere else. And if you're a returning listener, we say welcome and thank you for joining us and for your continued support. Hello everyone, welcome to Young Minds Matter Therapy Tuesday podcast. I hope you're all doing well. Oh, it's been a very busy week. We're getting ready for our seminar on Saturday the 27th of March. But I would like to replay today the some of the audio from the last event on the 27th of February 2021 and I hope it really impacts your life and let me know what you think okay okay so before I replay the audio of the previous mental health awareness seminar organized by Fishy, I would like to ask our listeners to join us for another edition of face youth mental health awareness and stigma reduction seminar for young people and parents it's coming up on saturday the 27th of march 2021 the time is 3 p.m uk gmt yeah and uh, 4 p.m west central african time or 11 a.m u.s eastern time it's completely free but registration is mandatory so to register you send an email to info at faceyouth.org obviously the event is going to be virtual it will be streamed on youtube live and um, zoom uh, sorry on uh, on the website facebook website at www.faceyouth.org slash live yeah Um, Face Youth have launched the Young Minds Matter Mental Health Awareness and Stigma Reduction Initiative with a view to tackle the mental health issues in young people, especially from its onset. And this initiative is why we are gathered for this seminar today. It is our first seminar of that initiative. So it's against this background that we are hosting this seminar today to discuss the mental issues as it relates to young people. So without wasting further time, I want to invite our first speaker, Dr. Adeze Ifezilike. Dr. Adeze is an international keynote speaker. She's an accomplished author. She's married. She's a marriage therapist and also an award-winning health advocate. Dr. Adeze is widely regarded as um, the go-to source on healthy lifestyle and obesity management. She is one of UK pioneers, lifestyle and medicine physicians, and has featured in, uh, on the BBC Truth About Fat program. 
With more than 22 years experience as a medical doctor under her belt, Dr. Adese has been invited to speak to organizations across the world, inspiring people to lead healthier, happier, and more productive lives through lifestyle changes. She's sought after globally, so we're really privileged to have her today because she's a skilled speaker on health whose style of communication has the audience captivated and provides a truly unique learning experience. Once again, I want to say welcome, Dr. Daisy, and um, you now have the floor to make your presentation. Wow. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That was great. Oh my, was that me you were talking about? Yes, it was. Thank you for that great introduction. I'm just so delighted to be here, and I want to thank everyone who has sacrificed some time from their Saturday to be here. That's great. And I promise you it's going to be a time of learning together. We're all going to go away with actionable steps we can take. We're better understanding of mental health. I'm just going to run through a few things like we've been told this is going to be a rolling program. So this is the first thing. Mental health is huge. So we're not going to cover everything at all, but we'll cover a bit so you have something to go with, and then we'll go to the next program some other time. So that's me there, and uh, my email if you need to reach me, and we'll just go straight into the presentation. Can I check? Can you, can you see my slides? Yes, I can see you well, yes. Very good, okay. So the first thing to say is that we all have mental health. You know, it's not some mad people out there. <laughs> just like we have physical health. We all have mental health because we all have feelings and emotions. Okay. And one thing we have found out because of the COVID is that there's a lot of poverty in the land. I mean, there was always inequalities, you know, families not being equal in their income and so on. But this period has made it even more obvious. By using food banks, you know, lots of families in a recent survey they said they didn't have enough to eat stabbing in the UK, you know, domestic violence has increased, the passing of domestic violence has increased about 25% because people are living in smaller places, staying together, <laughs> like before where one person will go to work, at least there will be some relief, but now everybody's home. So increase in domestic violence, increase in mental illness up to 16%, this is conservative, some other studies say much higher percentage, and the school, because schools have been closed for a bit, open sometime, closed again. A recent survey found that when the children were asked, you know, when, when the schools were opened, that up to 16% of the children didn't even want to go back. You know, they were now so uh, anxious about actually going back. So those who had the chance to go back to school didn't want to. And then suicide continues to be one of the leading causes of death among our children and adolescents. So mental health, really very important topic, and I'm glad it's something we're tackling today. So a recent survey by the Young Minds UK, which is a charity focused on young people's mental health, and these were some of their findings when they interviewed about um, 2,000 young people. And they were saying things like, oh, I can't concentrate on anything. The depression so bad, I can't get out of bed. I'm also so scared of being infected and then infecting others that I haven't left my house in nearly 100 days. This person said, my anxiety levels are through the roof. 
It's incredibly difficult for me to get through the day without crying. I am ridiculously irritable and experiencing horrendous mood swings. So this lady says, or this young person says, being in lockdown has made me feel trapped. I feel I cannot talk about anything or express myself with my family. So this pandemic has essentially forced me to suffer silently. So these were some of the things we are hearing from our young people. And you might, if you're a mom here, you might identify that in your own children. So I want you to meet Donna. Donna is a 19-year-old uh, patient of ours who originally from Senegal. Uh, unfortunately, in August 2, 2020, Donna took her own life. You may not have heard of it because there was so much else going on. There was COVID going on, reporting of deaths every day. So she was just one of those incidences that happened. So I want us to, you know, because when young people take their own lives, it's a huge blow, not just to their siblings, to their parents, to the schoolmates to everyone who has known that young person. It's, it's huge. And I want us to sort of step back to the childhood. What is it about the person's upbringing that makes them more likely to do something like that? Because if we sort of have a good idea, we can support these people better. So they never get to that point where they feel that suicide is a solution to their problem. I mean, it is a solution, but it's such a permanent one. You can't kill yourself and kill yourself tomorrow. So it's a return from that. So we don't want people getting to that point at all. In really young children, we have what is called separation anxiety. And every child has a bit of that. They don't want to get out of their parents' side. If mom leaves the room, the child is crying, agitated. You know, but that child where there's an excessive separation anxiety is one to watch. Okay? As they get older, preschool age, having fear of insects, you know, fear of um, dark places. These are all normal things. Child who has an excessive phobia for these sort of, you know, things, and it's one we, we need to keep an eye on because it might be that these are some of the factors that eventually may be exposed to other mental illnesses. As they get older, studies are finding that between the age of 11 and 16 years, percent of young people attempt suicide or, or harm themselves, you know, and if they have existing mental disorders, things like learning difficulties or epilepsy or autism, then that increases to more than 25%, the, the risk of them self-harming or taking their own lives. And then in the 17 to 19 year old age group, that's where you have the highest rate of emotional disorders. They begin to look at their bodies, they hate the, the way their nose looks, their eyes, you know, body uh, problems um, is commoner in females and the rates are so high within that age group. So this sort of child coming with all this sort of background, this is where Donna found herself. Now, COVID happened, okay? And the first thing Donna experienced in her home was family, social, social and family issues. Poverty. Her dad was from his work. That means he, his salary went right down to 30%. He was staying home. Mom lost her own job. So in the home where she was, there was a lot of tension, financial anxiety, quarrel between husband and wife. Okay. And because she was, you know, schools were closed, she was having the same sort of social support teenagers need so much. For teenagers, friends are the key things. 
teenager must have reliable friends. That's what really helps them. So she didn't have that meeting up with friends that maybe would have cushioned her in this difficult time. And then she was doing some work at, at um, the shoe zone. You know, she was doing some hours there. But then again, because the shop was closed, she was not unemployed. And she found herself when in the shops, now taking things off the shelf, something she never would have ever done before. So some criminality was happening. At home, she didn't have reliable internet. She was supposed to be studying from home, but internet wasn't reliable. There was no quiet space. She's the first of four children. So all the children were studying at home, everyone fighting for a quiet space. There was nowhere really hard to settle down and read. And it's amazing that even in the UK, a lot of children have inadequate internet access. When you say children go home and study at home, you'll be shocked that a lot of children don't have a good iPad or laptop to use. When they do, the internet is intermittent in some places. But then they don't have an adequate, they need a desk, they need a good place to study. So these were the issues at home for Donna. And then, like I've mentioned, psychological, emotional issues, she was isolated from her friends. Anxiety, oh, this virus, you know, WhatsApp University, they're just forwarding all sorts of clips. Uh, you know, conspiracy theories about this virus. So there was a lot of anxiety. She was anxious all the time. Would I catch this virus? Bereavement. The person that was closest in her life was her grandma. So grandma caught the COVID and became quite ill and had to go to hospital. And it was such a huge blow to Donna to know that grandma was dying. The person she loved most in this world and she was not allowed to go in to see her. So that bereavement hit her so hard. She started self-medicating, started dabbling into alcohol and drugs and so on. We found that in this period, self-medication has gone through the roof. And it's due to people not always having access to their GPs, their doctors. So they are more likely to walk into a chemist and buy things off the counter, use things, oh, I'm struggling with sleep, buy night nurse, buy arms, all sorts of, you know, just self-medicating. So the other thing that then happened to Donna, unfortunately, was that she caught COVID. Just a chance meeting up with friends, she caught COVID herself. So she was not stigmatized by her own family for bringing COVID into the family. Now, she has always had a lot of anxiety. So she used to be seen in the hospital you know, regularly by her psychiatrist. It wasn't happening anymore. And she's not, she just couldn't, I, I know a young girl um, spoke to me on phone the other day and she said she wants to come in and speak to me about her mental health problems. So I said, we're not, we're not seeing people face to face at the moment. Please tell me what you want to say on phone or let's do a video uh, consultation. And she said, forget it, she dropped the phone. Because for a lot of people, they need that face to face contact. So this has gone away. I had to try and reach out, and we actually brought her in, you know, because so for some people, telephone consultation is just not enough. Video consultation, tell them, okay, let's do a video consultation. They say they don't know how to work the video, you know, they don't know how to do the video. So all that has meant that some people are not coming forward because they feel, oh, the doctor is busy with COVID. I don't want to bother them with my matter, you know. Now, Donna started on that giving in school, and then after had the COVID, we're finding weeks later, people who have had COVID are still not feeling right. You know, they keep coming and saying, my chest, my this, my, you know, one thing or the other. We're not picking up anything in the blood tests. The chest x-rays are fine. They're meant to have recovered, but they're still not right. 
So Donna had all this ongoing in her life, but unfortunately, she wasn't supported enough and eventually took her own life. So why do people take their lives? It's just when the mix is right. It's a combination of, you know, background issues within the family. Maybe someone has been physically or sexually abused or exposed to violence. They see their own parents fighting or see some other persons fighting or they're being bullied. Coupled with added on to maybe suicide of a classmate. They had, oh, this is their classmate uh, lost their, uh, took their own life. And then coupled with maybe a divorce in the family. So when people take their lives, it's never one thing. It's a combination of factors. And young people don't have the resilience to bounce back like adults do. So they just get to a point where they feel, right, I think I'm better off not here. Okay, so when the mix is right, that's what happens. So we need to watch out for what I call red flags. Our children are always speaking to us. We need to notice what they're saying. And in my head, I have it as an ABCD sort of range of symptoms, which I'm going to share with us. I'm actually developing a resource to help our people because the DME community, they don't, we don't know how to talk about these things with our young people. We don't even know the right terminologies. You know, a child will not be able to say what they're actually feeling. A mom will phone and say, my child is not acting normal. And I'm like, what do you mean by not acting normal? What exactly are they having? We don't have the terminologies. So in terms of A, you know, you have the child who is anxious, if for anxious, if for a child who is avoiding activities, you know, if for a child who, 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 who feels, uh, you know, there's all hope in life is lost and so on. The B is for the child who is bored. A bored child can do a lot of things. A child who feels bad all the time, you know, is one to watch. C is for the child who has no confidence in themselves. The child who is constantly crying. Some of our children, their tears are just here. You just tell them a little, scold them a little bit, they're all tears. The child who is so prone to crying is one to watch. D for the child who always feels down. They feel that, you know, their mood is constantly down. A mom said to me, my child is just not a happy child. There are children like that. You've done everything for them. You provide all they need, but they, they just seem unable to be happy. You know, even for the child for eating disorders, child is eating too much or too little. The child feels e for empty. Some children just feel empty. Some children feel exhausted. E for exhausted, constantly exhausted. And we do all the blood tests. We do everything. There's nothing we can find. But it's a mental thing. You know, they're exhausted. For your friends and family, you ask your daughter, Oh, what are your good friends, Sarah? Oh, I don't know. When last did you speak, Sarah? We're not talking anymore. You know, they are soliciting themselves, even from friends and family. You know, gee, for the child who constantly feels guilty, there are children who feel guilty for their parents' divorce. You know that divorce is never the child's fault. The divorce is a problem between two adults. You'll be shocked that a lot of children feel responsible for their parents' divorce for the hopeless child who feels there's no hope and I could go on and on down to W for the child who is bedwetting you know they, they, they've been dry for two years at night and suddenly they're bedwetting again is this an infection or is this psychological thing going on okay and so on so the list is endless but resource out so that we can begin to have that conversation if you speak to a child and identify three key things if the child says have no interest in anything. I'm not motivated. You know, 
or the child says, um, I feel purposeless. So you can begin to work on it and see how you can make the child feel better. If we don't have the lingo, the words that identify what the child is feeling, that can be a challenge. So Donna's death was a sad reminder, incredibly sad reminder, that we need to get more involved in our children's lives, what I call knock and pack. Go to your teenager's room, knock on the door, get, get in and say, I'm spending time with you. <laughs> the first time you come in, they'll be like, oh, mom, just go, just don't go, stay there, you know? Spend 10 minutes, stay 15 minutes, go, try, come again another day. So they get used to you being there. You have to know what is happening. Get them to show you what they're doing. Can I watch this with you? You know, even if they're ignoring you in the room, me, I'm sitting there watching something and I'm laughing. I'm like, come and see, come and you know, eventually they open up. They have to feel, feel you're on their side. Next one, don't think they're being melodramatic. If your child is saying, I, 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 I want to kill myself, don't say it. that's how they always say. No, no, no. They're trying to pass a message to you. You must not think they're just saying off, okay? Be open to your child. Me too. I've gone through it. And there are things I share with my teenagers. I've got a 19-year-old and an 18-year-old, and then the youngest one is 13. I say to my older girls, when I was young, oh, this, 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 I explained some things, and they're like, oh, mommy, I'm so surprised. And they now see that, oh, okay, what I'm going through, it's normal. I'm going to be fine. After all, mommy went through it, and she was fine. You know, so be open to your child. When your child screams at you, I hate you. Don't take it to heart. You must take it to heart. It just means the child doesn't know how to express themselves. They are feeling frustrated. They are very angry. Maybe they watched a film where the child screamed at the parent, I hate you. So they are just saying the same thing. Don't take it to heart. Try and find out why they are feeling that way. Scan your home for weapons. Oh my goodness. If you have firearms in the home, this thing must be under lock and key. If you have a suicidal child at home, your scissors, you cannot leave these things lying about, your knives, everything must be locked up. Don't give them the tools they need to harm themselves. Some young people come to me, they cut off their wrists. I'm like, oh my goodness, when it's summer and everybody's wearing uh, sleeveless, how are you going to hide these scars? You know, they don't think ahead. So let's not make it easy for them to harm themselves. So kettle and pots, you as a parent, know that your mental health is not in order. You're standing before the mirror and you're saying, oh, I hate my face, I hate my nose. Your child is hearing that. You need to sort out your own mental health before you start pointing at your teenager and saying, you, your head is not correct. Maybe they're learning from you. As parents, we need to sort out our mental health too, okay? Now choose your battles. Teenagers, my goodness, there's so many things you can criticize about them. And if you spend time criticizing them, you will never find anything good to praise them about. So desist from being a critical parent because they will run from you. Find something to thank them for. Find something to appreciate them for. Choose your battles. There are some things you can overlook. You know, the way they dress, this is another age altogether. Don't feel that they will dress the way you dress when you were a teenager. That time has changed. Don't keep fighting them. When they're trying to get close enough to you to tell you how they're feeling, you, you're busy criticizing them about their clothing, their this, and choose your battles. What is more important? Your child's mental health. So get the experts in fast. Get the experts in fast. Don't sit on things. You see all the ABCD we talked. If you're not seeing things that are not right, get help as soon as possible. You can do it yourself, okay? So I've got some information here 
on, you know, the services young people can access. You can take a snapshot if you want to. There's the SA's Youth Counseling Service here. Get your young people to phone them. You know, there's the website MHAMHA UK. There's VSA Children and Family Counselors. Counseling for children. Don't feel, don't, don't feel, oh, if I give them the number, what is this child going to go and say about her family now? Maybe he, she will tell them I've been beating her. She will, no, your child's mental health is priority. Don't be hiding and hiding, and your child will do something. And everyone will be like, oh, because you you felt you you want to protect yourself, your child's mental health is important. Give them the number. Let them connect with people who can help them. Okay, let them go to the website. You can go with them and see what is there. Okay, so uh, it's really short because we want to take questions. Okay, but I hope I've been able to give you some background. You know how a child's upbringing, the these issues they meet in life, can then combine. And keep them over to a point where they feel right. I can't take this anymore. So thank you so much for listening. Stop so far. Thank you. Wow, wow. We want to say thank you to Dr. Adeze for this packed, for this packed. I, I mean, I, I'm even lost of words, but to be honest, I picked quite a handful of knowledge and information for myself for. From this, from this presentation. In, in summary, there was something both for the parents and for the young people to take home. Obviously, she started off trying to let us know that every one of us have got mental health. It's not just the mad people. We are, we've got emotions and feelings, so we all have mental health. The difference is whether yours have tilted to becoming a sickness, an illness, or whether you're still together, but we all have the potential because we all have that mental health within us. But then, if you don't tend to realize and manage it, then it probably goes off. And she went on to list a host of factors which could trigger them like poverty, domestic violence and increase, which has obviously increased over this COVID period. And then she went further to let us know that for young people, they sometimes do feel trapped, which is, I mean, I don't really think it's just only the young people because some adults like, <laughs> like some of us probably still feel, do, feel trapped given the situation that everyone is stuck at home. And she went for that to give us like a, a case study of this uh, Donna story, which brought to light, I think what is happening to a lot of people for instance, here in the UK in particular, but I know it's replicated across the world. Young people, especially like teenagers who cannot really understand what's going on with the situation we have at hand. And then they don't know how best to, to deal with them. So like she said at the end, that the best thing is to always seek help fast. But with this COVID situation, it doesn't seem to be helpful that much. But we are not to give up but just keep making effort. And the interesting thing she also said was um, how you can identify for parents, how you can identify when your child begins to have um, some mental issues, like even from the um, six months to three years, and then um, when they are, have excessive um, separation anxiety and through the preschool age, when they begin to express some kind of phobia or fears for very weird things, 
And then in their early adolescence, when they begin to like wonder why am I here for, begin to, you know, do some self-harming and all of that. And in their teenage age, well, when they get well on in their teenage age, they begin to have like emotional disorder or oh, why is my body like this and all of that. Yeah, those are like signs which parents need to pick up on and are quite useful to know because sometimes I believe people like me and most of us don't even know that these are like red flags. And the other interesting thing she did mention is the idea of the ABCD about the red flags. I think that really um, it's quite ingenious of you to come up with that, like the A for anxiety and B for boring and C for confidence and so on which I think is very good because the truth is sometimes you know something is wrong but you just don't know the words to describe what the problem is uh, I will be looking out for that to be honest I mean it will be helpful if you can share so that first youth can help in disseminating the information hopefully maybe in the next series we'll probably go into more detail on that and then the other bit you the advice you gave to the parents about knock and pack I think that is very helpful and useful because sometimes the parents tend to leave their children on their own and they can't be bothered to know what their children is doing but of course if you don't know you might be you, they might spring surprises on you and be like oh where was I when all this were happening I think that's a very useful um, advice as well and the one about kettle and pot which is you don't even feel confident in yourself how do you expect your child to feel confident in themselves that's a very useful one for parents to be aware of and also to choose your battles because truly truly there's not it's not everything that a parent may be able to deal with or fight in their children but i think the key thing is to identify the ones that are important especially the ones that have got to deal with their personality and their attitude to life. If it's about just how they dress up, well, it's got some relevance, but then, like she said, to know how to choose the battles and deal with them. Wow. Dr. Adez, I will say once again, thank you very much for this um, fully packed presentation. We'll definitely be calling you back for more details. So without wasting much time, um, I would like to invite our second speaker i know some of us might still have some questions but please uh, we'll have a question and answer session right at the end of the second presentation so like i said if you would want to ask any question you can type in the chat box or raise your hand i would advise that we or maybe suggest that we wait to the end <clears throat> of the second presentation because um, maybe he might answer some of the questions you have um, so we move on to the second speaker, Dr. Chudi Ufondu. Dr. Chudi is a maternal and child health consultant based in the United States of America. He is the chief executive officer of Snow Spirations Global Health Solutions. I bet some of us may have come across his profile on Facebook and all that he does on there. He's also a motivational speaker and a life coach. Dr. Chudi's goal generally is to advance evidence-based healthcare knowledge, which meets global standards, which changes behavioral health habits, especially in Sub-Saharan Africa. And he also is involved in spreading health passion among all. I mean, I know my own personal experience with him. So join me in welcoming Dr. Chudi. Over to you, Doctor. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for this amazing, excellent event. Um, can everybody hear me? Awesome. Yes, awesome. I can hear you very well, yes. Awesome. And I so, everyone can. Correct, correct. So, so guys, um, it's not every time we have this great opportunity. Um, Adesa, it's a colleague, as you can see, she knows our onions and uh, she did amazing. I actually felt, you know, like she was talking to me directly because most times, you know, we have this theory of us and them. My kid is perfect, you know, their kid. You know, we read things and we, we don't attach humanity to the numbers, you know, and you don't blame people, people handle things differently. So Ada, thank you so much because the conversation about mental health, we can have it for the whole 2021 and we can't even exhaust the topic. Amazing presentation, thank you so much. Now we're gonna hunker down and begin to collapse and go into a little bit of the medical aspect of what we're talking about today. Now, mental health mirrors our physical health. And we were once youths. Matter of fact, some of us might think we are adults, but in every adult, we have a youth out there struggling for attention, especially in this era of social media. So we need to be careful. We need to take this serious. There is absolutely no reason why you won't take your mental health serious. And mental health is not something that happened overnight. It creeps up gently, quietly, all those unspoken words, all those spoken words, all those acting out, it happens to everybody. Nobody has immunity to mental health. So the fact we are talking about you today doesn't mean, oh, since I'm not a you, they have not bothered. We all have to step up and we all have to start talking about it. The best way we can handle this is to talk about it. Now, I'm going to dwell a little bit on the stress aspect of mental health. So you see, each and every one of us, we are wired the way God made us to actually take care of our body. Now, I'm going to talk about little medical issues or terminology, which I want you to just spare me. I'll try as much as possible to explain them. So when you see a lion approaching you, what do you do? Do you stay and hunker down and begin to, you know, spoil off a, a fight or do you take off? Definitely you take off. Even if you're Usain Bolt, definitely um, the lion might catch up with you and will be tired you. Now, we have some specific substance in the body called hormones, which are stress hormones, which kicks us into action. No matter how slow you are, no matter how fast you are, when you see a lion, your body will go into flight fight mechanism. There are two important hormones which mediate this, your adrenaline and your cortisol. These are the hormones that make your heartbeat to start you know, beating fast. We all felt this when we had our first kiss. We all felt this when we had our first boyfriends and girlfriends. That same kick, that same hormone, that hormone that makes you to take action, that's very important in mental health. So it keeps your blood pressure up, it increases your heart rate, it spikes up your blood sugar. What's happening? You're gearing up, you're wrapping up a lot of things you need to put your body in active mode. So it's in every one of us. These are the basis that if we begin to have problems in this specific control hormone, then we begin to have problems in health. Now, your physical health problem can interpret in mental health symptoms. Your mental health symptoms can interpret in your physical health problems. So you might be having a headache. 
and you might be popping your paracetamol or ibuprofen without knowing that the foundational problem from that headache is not necessarily a somatic problem. So it's not because you have fever, you have malaria, you have typhoid, and especially we're talking to people in Nigeria where we have poor control. Everybody is a doctor, everybody is diagnosing, everybody is self-medicating. People are not easily taken to go into the doctor. We want to cut corners. When you begin to present with those symptoms, you're not going crazy. It happens to everybody. But some people have a kind of a mechanism to kind of contain that. So this almost pitch us into fight, running away. Unfortunately for our teenagers, for our youths, they're not wired the same way adults are wired to handle chronic stress. So if you ask your average teenager out there, what's their major priority or their game or their, their target? iPhone, Android, tablet, this. These are the things that make them happy. Guess what? It's okay. Then we need to be careful because social media, it's a vast sea of ocean. There are so many people they connect to who they don't have any business connecting to them. And if we don't model good behavior, like what Adesa mentioned, we cannot be good at this. So it's not about telling them, oh, do this, don't do this. It's about being, having a very responsible social media presence. So the fact remains, they cannot handle stress the way we can handle it. So youths like adult, they have exposure to stress on daily basis which over time builds up. Nobody wakes up and say, oh, I'm depressed. Nobody wakes up and say, oh, I have mental health issues. We have to understand that it's a journey. So if you don't address this, like Adesa mentioned, if you don't know the red flags, if you don't be, you know, become active in talking about it, in interacting with people, if you don't just be that active parent, like becoming involved, knowing where to draw the line, but still being their friend. So it's a kind of a catch-21. You're their friend, you're their mother, you're their father. You just find a way of striking a balance. It's very important. Our youths, they begin to cave into mental health problems when they perceive a situation as very dangerous, very difficult to handle, very painful to contain. They begin to look for help. And if they don't have immediate access to getting help, to getting resources to cope, they cannot contain it. So the way we are wired differently, it's not the way that one. And I'm, I'm going to give you an example. Growing up, I did all those stuff kids did. I saw hell as a kid growing up in Nigeria. You know, the background, you might think, oh, this is happening. But I did everything. I schooled in a place we call Okofia. I think I deserve school in a very bad medical school. But we were in the bush. We read with Lantern, we read with everything possible. We did everything to become. So when I came to America, it was like a walk in the park. When people say, oh, they're stressing, things that stress them was my comfort zone. I felt, oh, this must be happening. But I've already acquired that adaptive mechanism to survive, you know, like in Texas, they took light and everybody was freaking out. Oh, come on, that's an everyday thing in Nigeria. So things that people could not contain we had that de developmental defense mechanism to survive it. Our kids, if you happen to have a kid in America or UK or in the developed parts of you know, Nigeria, Lagos, and all those townships, you, you can't tell them about all these things because they didn't grow up in that. So they might not be able to handle stress exactly the way we handle stress. So it's important we know about the sources of stressors for our youth. So it might be school demands, 
school frustration, negative thoughts and feelings about themselves. And as I mentioned this and instruct me, you see, our kids are wired differently. The way God made our kids is exactly the way God made them, the way God wants them to be. You do not compare your kids. You do not use the fact that this person is good in mathematics and this person is not good in mathematics to begin to compare them. When you are doing that inadvertently, you might not know you are taking away their confidence. And when you begin to take away confidence, especially in the girls, guys for some reason have a way of, well, because of the way some guys are, there are some guys that can actually cave down and there are some girls that are very strong. But when you begin to take confidence by comparing your kids, by making them feel lesser than they are, by taking their confidence away, it's a ticking time bomb. So you don't do that. Some kids might be good in math. Some kids might be good in English. It doesn't matter. This might not even be the, the way they will end up. But you need to fortify them. You need to make them believe that they are the best. And God chose the family where they are. We didn't choose our parents. We didn't choose our brothers. We just came up and we saw them. We probably chose our wives somehow, our husband. But you don't choose your parents. You don't choose your siblings. So empower your kids. Listen to them. Listening doesn't necessarily mean intervening because if you're not their friends, they won't tell you nothing. You have to win their trust. You have to lead by example. Some of them definitely will have changes in their body. Majority of them are going through pubertal stage. The guys are going to have weird dreams. The guys are going to feel some girls they like. And they begin to have the butterflies I mentioned. When you see that girl you want to hang out with, what's going to happen? Your adrenaline level is going to go up. Your cortisol level is going to go up. You will also release a hormone we call endorphins. So you begin to feel good. This is the same hormone you felt when you had your first kiss. Hey, there is absolutely not, nothing our kids are doing today that we didn't do. We did that. We wrote love letters. We did a lot of things. They are doing the same, but in a modified way. So don't begin to freak out or begin to say, you know who I am, you did this. Hey, slow down. This is their time. We have to conform. We have to catch up with them. Because let me tell you the truth. My four-year-old son, Dumeja, can sell me and put the money in his pocket. When I was growing up, I knew a lot of current affairs and others. I thought I was the best student. But this guy flawed me at age four. He knew every single thing in the map. Within this time of COVID, though, so when some kids were struggling to catch up with certain things, this young man in his own world was coping directly, indirectly, building his own time, sharing that time in there. He might be obsessive, but he's learning and he's expanding his view. So if you find a way to, if you find where your kids are interested in, make sure you fine tune them and encourage them. You never know. Now, some of them will definitely have problems with their friends, with their peers. Some people will like them, some people will not like them. But guess what? It doesn't matter. And especially majority of us are Africans. Majority of us are Black. You must begin to inculcate in your kids that Black is beautiful. You must begin to tell them when you hang out with people that want you. You don't hang out with people that don't want you because that's how it starts. And it starts very early. And there are so many families that have very nasty parents. Kids mirror what their parents do. So when they begin to come to school and they begin to size up your girls, your hair, your this, whatever, you have to empower them to make sure they stand their ground. They cannot be isolated. Our kids must go to school and interact with other kids to build up their own confidence because at some point they're going to leave your home. 
that we're going to manage your stressors. Are we going to be challenged? We can take it to the bank. So some of them, like Adesa mentioned, they have unsafe environment, unsafe neighborhood. If you're living in the ghetto where they always kill people or they begin to talk about the negative things, like COVID. COVID predominantly is affecting more people of color. More people of color are not coming to terms. You in Nigeria, we had so many theories about the origin of COVID. Some people believe it's 5G. Some people believe it's this. People are even treating it by themselves. So when you begin to feed yourself with the wrong knowledge, what are you going to change? What are you going to do? You're going to have the same attitude. And the tenets of change, positive change is what we call CAP. Your knowledge, your attitude, your practices and your perceptions. So when you acquire the right knowledge about mental health, and you're bold, and you speak up, you can begin to challenge yourself by rewiring, by relearning, and unlearning, and learning the right way to cope with this, because you're definitely going to find that. Now, separation, divorce, our, kids, our parents are adults. When their relationship probably goes south or not, hey, that's their problem. But we have to always factor in our kids. Unfortunately, most parents are very selfish. Oh, I want to have the house. I want to have the car. If you go, I have this. You know, we begin to think about ourselves. We forgot that our kids, we chose to have them. They didn't choose us. When you begin to be selfish about what you want in your relationship, divorce or whatever, and you don't pay attention to how it's affecting the kids, and you're cooking up a storm. And it's going to happen someday. So we need to put that in perspective. Death of a loved one. Like, you know, the story Adesa shared. The death of her grandmother broke her. So when you see your kids, when you see your youths begin to exhibit different behavior, different attitudes, different reactions, don't just be judgmental. Engage them. Find out. Know when to begin to seek help. Mental health do not happen overnight. It's a build-up. More changes. Moving from school. Changing from one place to the other. Taking too many activities. Some of them might be overwhelmed with school work. Like I just mentioned, some people, oh, they tell them, oh, go home. Do the assignment offline. Use, use your laptop. Meanwhile, you don't have connection. Meanwhile, you don't have steady network. Meanwhile, some of them don't have computers. Meanwhile, we've told them to go and do stuff. So it begins to build up. And we expect a lot from our kids. Some of them are very competitive. Growing up, we were all competitive. I remember my secondary school days. I attend one of my schoolmates, you know, is attending. I attended one of the best secondary schools. Guess what? When I was going to my form one, I was going there posturing. Oh, I used to be the first guy in my primary school. I'm going to take the first guy. Guess what? When I came to my secondary school, it was a collection of other kids that were coming first in their various schools. And they kicked my butt in the first time. I came to out. I couldn't even go. I was so fearful. Like, how am I going to tell my daddy that I couldn't maintain that coming first? So growing up, I had that coming first as my biggest priority. But guys, go and check the people you went to school with. It's not all those people that had distinction that made it in life. So it doesn't matter where you find yourself. Just love yourselves. Just remember that your glass is in the quarter half. Is it half full? Is it half empty? How you decide to see your glass is your business. So you need to understand all this. Family financial problem, money is important. Finances is important. So you need to inculcate in your youth the ability to know about financing, the ability to have saving culture, especially in this era of COVID. Some caring governments are giving stimulants. Some uncaring governments are having the, the what do you guys call it? What do you call it? What do you call that stuff? That, palliative. The, 
talented, right? So depending on where you find yourself, they all bring them. They are watching us. Our governments are just messing about. It's affecting them. They might live in America, but they are watching the news. They are Nigerians. They are Africans. They are not in isolation. Before we know anything about any breaking news, they've already heard it. So but when you give them strong financial background, nothing can move them. And they will begin to talk about you know, savings. When you give them money, they monitor, open account, give them responsibility, let them try and see how funds are made and spent in the family. Very, very important. So these are the sources of stressors. Now the bottom line, when your the bottom line, when your kids, when your kids have all this, what will they lead to? Like I doesn't mention anxiety. Everybody becomes anxious. We are all anxious people. If you're not anxious, you're not living. Any day you wake up and your heart is not skipping. Like if you're going late to work or if you miss payment, definitely you're going to have all those adrenaline surge. But you have a mechanism to contain it. When it begins to go out of place, when it feels like your heart is coming to your mouth, that's when we begin to have issues. So your kids are going to be exposed to anxiety. They're going to be exposed to, you know, what my colleague Adesa also mentioned, social withdrawal. Your kid are used to be very sociable. Suddenly, she's no longer coming out. You know, he's no longer coming out. He's not even telling you about her friends or his friends that used to be you guys' interactive session. Something is happening. Pay attention. Use that lock on the door technique. But don't be bullish about it. Try and find the middle ground. Some of them will be aggressive. Suddenly, they're very, very aggressive. And all these things add up. Where I'm from. They said, if you're not evil, it means things add up. So anything happening to them will over time affect their general health, especially the heart. Some of them might have familiar history, diabetes, hypertension, heart condition in their familiar lineage. If they begin to get exposed to all these things, it's going to affect the general health. When it affects the general health, it's going to affect their performance. When it affects the performance, it's going to be a stress on you. And if you don't have a very solid background to contain all this, it's going to, it can lead to stroke. Some of them might end up being depressed. Some of them will start gaining weight. All the food in the home, they will be eating the food. Or some of them will become anorexic. Some of them might have bulimia. Some of them might have, you know, eating disorder. And I doesn't mention something about, you know, this body dysmorphism. Your beautiful daughter, which you produce with your gene, because you can only give what you have. So if you're a beautiful person, if you believe that God made you beautiful, you can only produce a beautiful girl. Suddenly, your girl is looking herself up in the mirror. She's no longer recognizing that beautiful lady in the mirror because someone in the school is trying to deviate her mind from the beauty she is. She begins to find fault. She's let out. She's flat on me. But she begins to find her robot in the mirror. It's called body dysmorphism. I'm not going to go into details. But when they begin to have all this, they might be mirroring you. You might be in the bedroom, spending three hours, looking yourself, oh, I don't like this. Oh, this wig is not this. Oh, that is not that. They are mirroring you. Let all your confessions be positive. You, you are the mother in the family. So memory loss. Some of them will start having memory loss. If your kid is having memory loss, how is he going to learn in school? He's not going to remember anything. And they have to remember a lot of things. Some of them will forget anything, but they won't forget their phone. So these are factors that can over time lead to them having poor coping skills because they're definitely going to have problems coping. They're going to be challenged. They will soon start driving. They will still start going out there. They might run into people that have road rage. They can even have problems. Some of them will take additions, you know, drugs, alcohol, and they can have death, permanent death. It can happen to anybody. So what are the specific symptoms 
that might be a telltale sign that your kids might be having mental health problems, especially in this COVID era. Prolonged period of sleep. It's weekend, your kids, your youths can sleep in. It's possible they sleep by 3 a.m. They were playing their computer or whatever. You can allow them to do that, right? Now, if your kid begin to sleep too much or they are not sleeping at all, it's a red flag. So that might be a sign of mental health problem, especially in this COVID era, you can't even listen to news. Everything is all negative. In America here is staring at you. This is the number of people that died this second. This is the number of people that died today. Everything is all negative. If you're not careful, you're gonna buy into that narration and it's gonna mess you up. So when you as the solid builder, when you as the solid foundation in your home is not strong, where will your kids go to? Who will they talk to? If you don't talk to them, they definitely have people to talk to in social media. And we'll be tidy if they talk to the wrong people. There are so many things you can get from Google. When you type in things you want to do now, it's going to give you thousands of reasons, including telling you how to kill yourself. Do you understand that? So we need to be careful. Regular severe headache. If your youth is regularly having severe, oh, mommy, I'm having a headache, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Make appointments, take the kids to you. Some of the kids are still within pediatric age. But if you see them, they will look like they're adults. So if your daughter is still within under 18, down, she's still a pediatric you know, age. So take the, the, the child to a specialist. Let's take time, you know, do baseline, make sure they're okay. If the headache persists, let's branch out and begin to look for a neurologist. Let's investigate all these symptoms. Unexplained weight loss, weight gain is a symptom. Feeling of isolation, constant anger and irritability. You are providing your kids with everything, everything possible as a good parent to make them feel happy, but they are never happy. It depends on age. I remember when I was growing, you know, when, when we were young as, you know, parents, we used to take my daughter to Disney World because Disney is just at our backyard. She was little. The biggest mistake we make is to go to Orlando because you will walk the whole day in scorching sun and I will look at Zara's face and Zara will not be happy. And I begin to wonder what kind of bad parent is this guy? Meanwhile, I was with Zara from day one when she was born. So but at that age, she wasn't really you know, mixing things up. She wasn't seeing those things as fun. But when she became older, oh my God, this girl is the most grateful daughter ever. She knows, she's so thankful. She will begin to thank you for things you did in 2019. So when you do all this, suddenly a happy child is not angry, irritable, she loses interest in things she used to do, constant worrying and obsessing on things, eating a particular food as if that food is gonna go into extinction. Excessive alcohol, some of them start early. You might have alcohol in your home. If you don't keep it in a safe place, some of them will start tasting it because I remember growing up, my biggest part of being a good daddy's boy or doing well in school is the fact that if my daddy goes out and they pour a, a, a beer in the glass, if, if he gives me a little sip, I'm the happiest. So we're going to try all these things. Most of the things we knew as adults, your mother didn't teach you how to make love. Your mother didn't teach you how to drink. Your mother didn't teach you how to do all those to go to parties. We taught ourselves from our peer groups. So they're going to do all these things. But you have to expose them to body of knowledge so they will have ability to make informed decisions. Are they going to have friends? You can bet on it. Are they going to have boyfriends? You can take it to the bank. Are they going to have their friends? It's even better this way so that you will know they are actually human beings. That's a fact. Don't go thinking, oh, you did this. If you, if, growing up, our parents flopped the hell of us. The reason why I turned out better today is because my mom flopped sense into me. But you can't try it this way. 
So know how to engage them in things that will make them still have that confidence and understand the reason why you're doing what you're doing. Don't just you know, begin to give them the same treatment that our parents gave us. If you do it in America or UK, you're going to be in trouble. You don't do that. Okay, so inability to concentrate. So these are few specific symptoms, which might be a telltale sign that something is going on. Now let's talk about the interventional points. What are the things you have to do? How do we manage all this? How do we begin to make sense? How do we begin to deal with situation, especially in this COVID era? Teach your kids to change or alter the situation. You see, we cannot choose what happens to us in life then we can choose how we react to what happens to us. So if a particular situation is not okay for them, they can try to change it, alter the situation, or just change your attitude or your reaction to the situation. Is a choice. By the time you lose the ability to make choices, that's when you begin to have problems. Accept the things you cannot change. My people, unfortunately, this is an area so many people don't really play well. We always want to change things. We always want to be God. You begin to move from one prayer house to the other. You begin to find solutions to things you can change. And it's also applicable to family practice. It's also applicable to women's health. There are so many women that might have medical problems. There are so many of our teenagers that might have problems. This is the situation. This is something you can't change anything about it. But we want to go to a higher place to change. Accept the things you can change. Try your best so long as you're doing your best. That's all that matters. Find their balance. Encourage them to find their balance in their work and their lived environment. So there should be a balance between work, fun, and relaxation. There should not be people that are reading 24 hours. No, they're going to go crazy, for real. So find the balance. Create certain things that will give them that sense of belonging. Definitely encourage them to exercise them. Exercise is the new gold. If you are exercising as a parent, they will copy you. If you are eating the whole food at home and you have your phone, you're sitting 24 hours, sitting is the new smoking. If you are not exercising and you're telling her, oh, because how come you have have you been exercising? Be a good example. Some of you have gym and treadmill at home. You haven't used it. And you're telling how to get exercise. Meanwhile, you're not doing my example. So encourage them to exercise, especially as young adults. There are so many gains. When you exercise, you place yourself in a better place. Your immunity is very good. One of the things that for, re for some reason, which we are still trying to understand, for some reason, COVID spread Africans in regards to the severity. I don't know if it's hygiene. I don't know if it's immunity. When you find yourself in a place where you're constantly putting yourself in a very good place, you begin to build your immunity. So when your youths are exercising, they're gonna build their immunity. They're gonna have confidence. Some of them that wanna have flat tummy will have flat tummy. And they will have what we call endorphins, the few good hormones. Have you ever wondered why your kids are happy when they put their ear for, earbuds? Because they're in a different world, they're very happy. They don't even care if they've eaten. That's their world. When they do this, they have what we call endorphins. The level of feel-good hormone is in their body. So encourage them to exercise. Eating is very important too. What your youths eat can mirror what they can have as a problem. If your kids are indulging in high-calorific food and things that will increase their blood sugar level, guess what? When their blood sugar level is already going to be increased by increasing the adrenaline and cortisol, and you're increasing it by what they eat, what's going to happen? It's going to be a catastrophic situation. So they should eat their fruits. They are vegetables. They should drink water. The best drink you can have in life is water. 
Water is your best friend. You can't go wrong. But in this era of soda, you stock all the soda in the fridge. Your kids begin to use it. Growing up, drinking soda was a status symbol like people that are doing well in school. If you can afford to drink soda the whole time, you're a big boy, you're a big girl. But not these days. The more soda you're drinking, the more you're predisposing yourself to developing mental health problems. So we have to watch this. Connect with supportive people in this era of unfriendly people. If you go to your social media handle, you might have 5,000 people. Out of those 5,000 people, only five people like you. It can happen to your kids. They might not understand it, but I understand it. So let them learn how to connect to supportive people. For every individual out there, for every single person hitting on you, there are thousands of people that like you. So connect to supportive people that want to connect with you. Connect to people that want you. Don't go trying to catch up with the Johnsons to be with these people. Your kids initially growing up, they will tell you, oh, I went to school and this person didn't want me to play with this stuff. This person didn't want me to do this. It's okay. Let them handle it. But teach them that they have the best. Let them not have that self-confidence to hang out with people that want them. Because that's how it starts. Keep only quality people, my people. It's not a game of numbers. It's a game of quality. So if you, as I'm talking to you now as an adult, if you have a one good friend, you're blessed. So stop looking at the number of people in your social media. Stop looking at the number of likes. Stop looking at the number of, no. These are the things that when they put up a post out there in social media, previously they used to have thousand likes and suddenly it's only one person. They can process it differently. They can be suicidal. They can be depressed. And I'm telling you things that can happen in, in splits of seconds. And this is not the time to begin to think about Amadioha. Oh, somebody in the village did this to my kid. No, there is absolutely nothing that they did. They are trying to process things differently. Encourage them to have hobby. Find out what they love doing. Practice meditation. Meditation is amazing. The first way to give back to yourself is to find that time and spend your me time. That's when you commune with God. That's when you talk to God. Teach them how to pray, depending on their religion. Let them have that quiet time to meditate. It reduces tension. It reduces stress. If they love yoga, let them involve in yoga. Sleep, oh my God, you can't get it wrong with sleep. Your sleep is very important. Some of you are insomniacs. You don't work night. Every single night, you're staying up calculating the finances of home. They are mirroring you. You cannot tell our desert to go and sleep while you're not sleeping. She's waiting for you to sleep. So sleep is important. Inculcate in them the habit of sleeping. When we are growing up, we used to have siesta. I don't think they still practice it now. When you sleep better, when a kid is sleeping better, that kid can handle any situation that comes away. But if a kid is not sleeping better, they can even be predisposed to problems, including hypertension, including obesity, including diabetes. It happens, especially if you have a family history of obesity, of diabetes, of hypertension, and they begin to have chronic sleep problems, they are likely going to have more mental health problems. Take vacation. Spend some time. Make provisions to take the kids. Encourage them. Let them go and forget everything about life and find some time. Now, if everything else fails, like Adesa mentioned, get a therapist. Get a coach. You can talk to any of us. The basic things they teach us when we're medical school, you have to take postings on all disciplines. So in as much as Adesa might be in a different jurisdiction, I might be in a different jurisdiction, once you connect with a good doctor, a good doctor can take you in, stabilize you, and make reference to a specialist. But by all means possible, always connect with people that will give you help. Now, how can parents, have? I've already mentioned, monitor and check the manifestation of stress in your kids. Monitor how it's affecting their health, their behavior, their thoughts, their feelings. 
listen to them. Like Adesa mentioned, your kids are going to tell you they hate you. Do you, think, do you really think they hate you? Without your kids, who will you be? They don't hate you. They don't know how to communicate with you. So don't just listen to the words. It's possible that when you were arguing with your husband, you told him you hate him. And he's not mirroring you. So he's coming home. So watch your words. Encourage them. Listen carefully. Pay attention to them. Some of them are going to be abused in school. Some of them are going to be bullied. Don't always take the words of the teachers as the original words. Investigate all conflicts, no matter how young they are. When they say something, when they come back home, escalate. Call for family meeting. Find out exactly what happens. A confident kid can never be messed up. And this is where some men are lacking. Power your kids, especially your girls. When your girls have that father figure behind them, nobody can mess with them. So don't always write them off. Like when we are growing up, if you go out and fight and come back and you're crying, they will beat you and tell you to go back and win that fight and come back. Not these days. Find out why things happen. Nothing happens in a vacuum. Learn and model stress management skills. So everything I'm teaching you guys in that desert today, learn them. Be a good model. Support involvement in sports and activities. Like I mentioned, find ways to help them. So some of the things I'm teaching you guys now might look like repetitive things, but this works. So forget about the redundancy. Eat and exercise regularly. These are specific techniques to the kids, to the youth. Eat and exercise regularly. Get enough sleep. Have a good sleep, you know, pattern. Avoid caffeine. A lot, lot of people are taking coffee these days. They should avoid caffeine because when you take a lot of caffeine, it's going to increase your anxiety level. It's going to increase, you know, your ability to be easily agitated. Now, unfortunately, for medical students and other people that had very intensive discipline. We all took all this stuff because you have to read till daybreak sometimes to catch up. But that was that. They might not handle it. Then when they plan themselves well, they might actually make their consumption of others. Illegal drugs are all out there. So teach them, model, make sure you don't have a, hold them around the home, especially in this era of COVID. In Nigeria, virtually everybody is a COVID specialist. Every single person is treating COVID. This concussion, that concussion, you're taking all those stuff, you're doing it by yourself. You're even afraid to go to the hospital because you don't know if they're going to stigmatize you. So pay attention to all this. Learn relaxation. Develop assertiveness. So for want of time, I'm not going to truly, you know, go into the specific details. Now, how do we reduce the stigma of mental health problems? Learn how to speak up. Know the facts. Get the knowledge. When you have the knowledge, you can change your attitude, you can change your practices, you can change your perception about mental health. When you educate yourself about mental health illnesses and substance disorder, be aware and of the attitudes and behavior about mental health. Choose your words wisely. Be nice, be kind, be loving, educate others. Focus on the positive side. When Dr. Adesa was you know, giving her talk, she mentioned about positives. Our kids are built with so many positive, positive things. But when you begin to tell your son, look at your head, your head is looking like mango. You begin to dwell on the mango head, but that mango head is body of talents. Forget about the negatives. That mango head is made by you and your husband. Forget about the mango head. You can't do nothing about the mango head. You cannot go and do plastic surgery to check the mango head. That's your own child. So be mindful of the words you use. Support them. Include everybody. Harmful effects on mental health stigma. Reluctance to seek help. Lack of understanding for family, friends, co-workers. Fewer opportunities to get to work. When they brand your kid that your kid is depressed or having whatever it is, they're not going to get work. 
Once you mention it in your interview, you've already been, you know, removed, especially in Nigeria. They believe that everybody's going crazy. Simple things that can happen to anybody. Epilepsy, seizures. Oh, it's from the lining. Oh, don't do this. So if you want to marry this, oh, that family has epilepsy. Come on, epilepsy and seizures are medical problems. If you haven't eaten food for a long time, you can be epileptic. You can have seizures. So stop all those stigmatization. When you don't power them, they will be bullied in school. They will involve in you know, physical violence and harassment. They believe you will never succeed when you have mental health problem. It's also at the back of everything that happened to kids that happens. So finally, speak out. Consider expressing your opinion at events like we are doing today. Write letters to editors. Anytime you have access to your platform, use your social media platform, use your Facebook, use your Instagram to stand and speak about it. Help instill courage in people facing this problem. In the kids, find a way to show empathy, to show compassion. When they put the numbers of people that have lost their lives out there, don't go politicizing it. Unfortunately, in this era of social media, when American election was happening here, the people in Nigeria knew more than us that, that leader. So don't always politicize things. The numbers we see out there are human beings. Attach humanity to them. Educate people about mental health problems. Talk openly about this. Encourage equality. Show compassion. Choose empowerment over shame. Finally, all of us need to rise and raise our voice against stigmatization every day in every possible way. No matter how little, contribute to mental health. You can make a difference simply by knowing that mental health is not anybody's problem. And we should stop the stigmatization. You can make a difference by being and living stigma free. So mental health is us and we are mental health. And if we fail, if our kids fail, we failed. Thank you guys for giving me this opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you guys. Wow, thank you, Dr. Tudi. That was another wonderful and packed presentation with a whole lot of information and knowledge. In fact, I don't really, I mean, <laughs> I was trying to make notes, but I think my notebook is almost full. I'll definitely will um, take advantage of the presentations that will be made available. Just to recap, Dr. Judy tried to bring us to the medical aspect a little bit of uh, mental health, um, pointing out on um, how stress as one factor can trigger a whole lot of issues in our mental health, both young and old. The talked about the different hormones, the flight and fight hormones, the adrenaline and cortisones, how they work in our physical um, bodies to also impact on our mental health. He said a physical mental problem might also be an indication of a mental health, which is true. That severe headache you constantly have all the time could be an underlying factor for something. It might be just stress or you think, oh, it's just headache. And he went on to say that our youths are not wired like us adults. So we need to keep that in mind in dealing with them, not to use ourselves as a point because we pretty much passed their stage to where we are, but to try to understand they are in a world of their own, to empathize with them, understand how we ourselves grew up. And also he mentioned about how they're in the world of their own, about mobile phones, about social networks, good and bad influence and but just to be aware know how to um, to 
praise to and social media for good and positive impact lives the last and people's um, situations could be a factor in whether they are prone to um, being, um, being affected by their mental health in a negative way. The other things he mentioned were like sources of the stresses for the youth, like the school changes in their borders, the neighborhood, and death of a, of a, um, a family member or chronic illness of a family member. So these are all the things we need to keep in mind. He also mentioned that a positive change would always come with the right knowledge. I think the right knowledge is what he stressed throughout the presentation. Positive knowledge would go a very long way in impacting and in, 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 in helping any situation which could lead to mental illness. Then the bottom line for, the, for us parents and the youth to be aware of in relation to mental health, which is essentially how do they present in anxiety, withdrawal, weight gain. So it's just for us to be conscious of the changes in the bodies of um, our youth or children, because obviously if you don't keep an eye, you can never tell when something has gone wrong. But if you're always observant, then you'll be able to pick up things, no matter how small. The symptoms could be you find your child sleeping too much, and then if you haven't been observing them, how would you know they've been sleeping too much? So that's something to keep in mind. And how can we intervene? Obviously by being a good example, just like Dr. Adese said, kettle and pot. If you're a bad example, how do you expect your child to turn out to be good? So it's by being a good example, exercise is good. If you don't exercise, how do you expect your child to exercise? And like he said, um, there's this thing he said about sitting at home being the next alcohol of our era and I think that is very true of this COVID era I mean I must admit I myself haven't really been exercising since this COVID so that's a, a take home for me that obviously I need to get up and running before I will think that oh I'm not smoking but invariably by sitting at home I'm smoking actually so that's something for us to take home and then the final bit about it is to always listen to the children and to monitor any manifestation because like he said if you don't pay attention if you're not there if you don't you know if you don't observe them if you don't have good knowledge positive knowledge not negativity because there are a lot of junks out there you probably might not be in a position to help or notice when something is going wrong Wow. Once again, thank you, Dr. Judy, for that um, packed presentation. We are going to have the questions, but just before we go on, I want to remind all our attendees about um, a few house um, information we need to be aware of as you would have observed this seminar is being recorded so um, if at any time you no longer want to be shown in there you might exit or close your video and then also um, for the questions you can um, raise your hand using the raise your hand um, function or you can type your your questions in the chat box and we'll pick that up and ask um, the, um, the speakers also to be aware that at the end of the session there will be a prize so if you want to stand a chance to win the 50 pounds um, voucher prize then you have to wait to the end for the spin wheel we will use to choose the winner and then 
like we announced earlier, we will make available copies of the presentation. So if you would like to receive a copy, please do well pop your email address in the chat box so we can collect all of them and then email the presentations out to you. So now um, we move on to the questions. Do we have any questions? You can raise your hand if you want to speak or you type your question in the chat box. Or as you can see, everyone is muted. And I'm, I'm sorry, you may not be able to unmute yourself unless um, you indicate, then we can do that from the back end here. And um, you can type in the chat box to say, I want to ask a question <laughs> if you don't know how to use the raise your hand um, function. So yeah. Um, anybody? Okay. If there are no questions, I mean, to be honest, I think the two speakers actually did give us a whole load of things to go and think about, to go and, you know, try to inculcate, to go and learn and to, to begin to renew our minds, you know, change of attitude, change of approach, a whole load of things from the speaker. I personally haven't got any question because I know when I look through the presentation, I'm definitely gonna find quite a lot to um, get me going in terms of my knowledge on mental health awareness. Once again, this is the first of the forum of our um, series of seminars for mental health. Um, I think if you would like to say something. Hello, Thank everyone. you so much. I was trying to, yeah. I was going to ask Ebenezer to unmute Dabi as well. And in case okay, she's I was going to show you now. that somebody raised her hand. Yeah, she's yeah. That was now. So Dabi, you can go ahead and ask your question. Thank you guys so much. I want to thank the speakers as well, because this has been a very like insightful topic, because I'm a student who's in uni right now. And I've like recently come back home. And everything they said was like definitely something that I like resonated to. So I just want to say thank you. And I want to ask if either both the speakers had any tips for students in my position as well. Like your top three tips. Um, could you unmute the speakers, please? The speakers will also have to click on the mute button after you, you unmute you. Benisa, don't mute the speakers anymore. I think I'm going to clean back the host. So I'm on mute. Yes. Um, I've unmuted myself. And uh, can you hear me? Yes. Uh, so okay, the awesome. doctor can take it first. Okay. Then. Okay. So the first question is from Dabi, correct? And uh, Dabi, yes. will you mind repeating your question? I guess so I can tackle it. Then Ada can also. Oh, yes. Sorry. I just wanted to ask if you had any like top three tips for students who have re like recently gone back home and are kind of like struggling with mental health because I've got a lot of friends who are all in like the same position. So I'm just trying to find like ways of like helping them, if that makes sense. OK, thank you so much. Um, remember that charity begins at home and 
the fact you attended this presentation is actually the step you needed to jumpstart the conversation. And everything happens from how you understand things. Like I mentioned, the biggest tool we have in life is your car, your knowledge, your attitude, and your perception. So we all have issues. We all have mental health problems, just that we hasn't been diagnosed. So I don't know the specific issues you're struggling with. As a student, definitely you have a lot of assignments to catch up with. So you might be binging on coffee or a couple of other things, stimulants to help you stay up, or you might be finding it hard to balance your social media presence with the activity, or you might be finding it hard to identify with who you are, how you dress, who likes you, your relationship, they all add up. So it's ability to find that balance I mentioned. It's the ability to remember to exercise, depending on the environment where you find yourself. The best form of exercise is to go for a walk. Put on your headphones, play your best music, go and walk, go and dance. Even if it's too cold or hot in your environment, put up your headphones, play your music on high volume, dance. If you are able to rev up your endorphins, if you are able to put yourself in fight mode, immunity fight mode, you are gonna discover that you might not even need coffee. You're gonna discover that you might not even need tea. You might not need any stimulant because by the time you are present, by the time you've exercised, by the time you have the endorphins up, you're gonna do your physical activities, you're gonna do your academic activities, and you're gonna sleep, which is important because by the time you've allocated time to exercise, to reading, to catching up with friends, you still need to catch up with your friends. So the fact you are a student doesn't mean, oh, you're not gonna do anything apart from reading. No, you still have to catch up with your friends. You still need to engage in sports. You still need to do your female gossip, very important. So you have to allocate time to them so that by the time you've done a particular one, you can transition to this. So let me give you an example. In the morning, you wake up, you say your prayer, very important. Then you do your exercise routine. While you can be doing your exercise and be doing your, your chores, then you can graduate from catching up with one of few things. Then you study. Study is very important. That's what's going to put food on the table. Then you now, you know, find ways to catch up with friends, then sleep. And when you have enough sleep, there is absolutely nothing you can do. The problem is when we have inequality, when we don't have balance between the activities and your relaxation, when you see yourself like a perfectionist, when you beat yourself up, when you don't love yourself, if you don't love yourself as who you are, as happy you are, nobody can love you. And this is also the time you might be forming your relationship. So you might have a boyfriend, girlfriend, and you begin to think, oh, do they love me enough? Or don't they love me enough? Would they accept me? Looking for validation. It doesn't matter. Love yourself. Carry yourself. Make sure that whoever you're hanging out with is quality. So because of time, I didn't really go into details, but if you get my presentation and a desert presentation and you study like your professional exam, you definitely get some good tips. Thank you. Um, Dr. Daisa, do you want to add anything? I'll just say to the person who asked the question, so it's really important to, my first tip will be to stay connected. You know, you don't need 100 friends. If you have just five good friends, make up your mind that every week you must connect with them in some way or the other. That will really help you. My second tip will be keep telling yourself that it's just a period. You know, it's going to end. This COVID will pass on one day. So it's not going to be permanent. This 
won't go on forever and ever. So keep telling yourself it's going to end one day. And, and finally, just show up. Half of your success is just showing up. Get up in the morning, go for your classes online, you know, just sit there, go ahead with the classes. Eventually, you'll be fine, in addition to all his stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so doctor. Much, um, and we've got another question, um, but just to add this, that anyone else has got a question, I think I saw someone, Galaxy A20E, raise her hand earlier, or his hand earlier, but she's put it down now. But apart from that, we've got a question which says, why is mental health regarded as a taboo? But if you've got a question, you might indicate whether you want either Dr. Snow or um, um, Dr. Chudi or Dr. Wadeze to... Um, answer. So, uh, but we have this one first. Why is mental health regarded as a taboo? I think it was Uzeze who asked the question. Okay, so what, what we find is that it's really due to ignorance. Um, if you look in the past, we didn't actually used to have psychiatric hospitals back home in Nigeria. If people had mental illness, they were put in prison. <laughs> there was actually a part of the prison they put these psychiatric patients. Mm -hmm. So, they were regarded as, um, so that's where all this, this uh, there's something wrong with them. So instead of putting them in a hospital for treatment, they were put in prison, you see? So things were wrong right from the start. Is that background treating them wrongly? And we're really trying to let people understand that this is just like any other illness. Just Someone has diabetes, you're not going to as a person. You take the person to hospital to be treated. If someone has hypertension, that's illness. If someone has a mental illness, that's all of them are illnesses. So it's not really fair to size the uh, you know, class and say, and because our, our people see these things as, um, I don't tell anybody we have someone who is mentally ill. If you say now, nobody will come and marry our family members. You know, things like that. When they should be focused on getting help for the person who has the illness. They are covering it up. For their own foolish reasons, you know, so that nobody, women can get married. You know, you just see the reasoning, you know. So that's why it, it seems like it's, it's just the way we saw it, mad, rather than that this have an illness. But a lot of that is changing now. Of course, now in Nigeria, we have psychiatric hospitals, which is the right place for this reason. You know, so there's a lot of change, but we keep going at it. It's not easy, but we keep working on it. Yeah. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Anna. Um, now that chip in, yeah. Um, Ketchi, let me chip in one of you. Um, Go on, doctor. doctor. So one of you feedback. So, so here's the deal. Um, we become what over time we imbibe and we practice. Before the advent of Christianity and all those stuff, our forefathers had a way of branding so many things that had physiologic and anatomical origin. That means medically there is a particular reason. And I'll give you an example. A lady that just had a baby can have what we call maternal blues or postpartum depression. What does it mean? If she's overwhelmed and the hormones in her body are not really adding up. She can have hormones that will predispose her to having mood swings, just like you guys noticed. There are some mornings you wake up, you begin to tell your partner sorry for nothing. You didn't slap your partner in the night. You guys did not quarrel in the sleep, but she will wake up doing what? Depressed. 
momentarily, mood swings. It might happen with their cycle. She might be ovulating. She might be bleeding. She might not be in a good place. She might have what we call PMS, premenstrual syndrome. I'm sorry I'm going into my jurisdiction now, but I'm trying to give you an example. So growing up, our parents have a way of spiritualizing everything. Like if you want to marry down, one of part of the part of the things they will do when they start asking, or oh, is that person from Osu? Or oh, is that person, do they have madness? Because they call it madness. Madness. The madness you're talking about is mental health problem. It can happen to anybody. It can happen to the best of us. It can happen to your priest. Some of them might be on antidepressants. Some of them might be on anxiolytics. It's okay. It's your headache. It's your fever. But when you begin to see a woman that just had a baby, and the woman is having maternal blues, or the woman is having what we call postpartum depression. It's depression. She needs professional help. She needs help. She needs to be given some medication. But the husband will tell the people, can you believe it looks like I married an Obanje? That lady that the most beautiful thing, that the most happy thing that will happen to you is to have a baby. How can a new mother, who her world is revolving around her baby, suddenly become mad? How can the woman you married by competing with so many men suddenly become mad? Over time, we've allowed spirituality and we've allowed ourselves to drift up by spiritualizing things. We can ordinarily go to a doctor. There are so many mental health problems, hundreds of them. You need a clear diagnosis. You need to go to the professionals. We need to be careful. That's where the knowledge is important. If you acquire the right knowledge, you will change your attitude. You will change your disposition. You will change your perception about mental health problems. And mental health problems can be solved, no matter how bad it is. In America and other places, so many of your colleagues are on so many mental health medications, you don't even know. Some of them will even be telling you, oh, I was taking my bipolar medication. When I came in here, I'll be like, you mean? In my mind, though, because you can't say nothing. You can't talk anyhow here, no? like we talk about. I said, so this person is having depression and bipolar. And meanwhile, we are conversing as if we are on the same level. Meanwhile, my own, I don't even know if they diagnose my own. So why am I saying this? Where we are coming from is important. Like Adesa mentioned, when you, when you have the right knowledge, when you go back in your communities, when you branch out in your neck of woods, begin to tell people, begin in your own family, that this is not right. Speak out. When a woman that just had a baby who is having postpartum depression or psychosis is being deprived of her joy, what she needs is help. Help her, give her support. Make sure she's okay. They're not sleeping. They don't sleep in the night. Some men only brag that they have kids. They don't contribute nothing. You're in one room snoring. The woman is in the other room not sleeping. How do you expect a woman that hasn't had a good sleep and the baby is crying all over the place to be in a good place? She's not going to be in a good place. So the reason why we call it taboo is because of how we understood it. And ignorance is the worst form of disease. Unfortunately, the areas we are supposed to pay attention to, people are preferring to go and gossip about things that happen in the developed world. These are the kind of conversations we should be having, even in our churches, because everything is all spiritualized. Thank you so much, Dr. Tudy. Wow, the key knowledge is indeed power. If you have the right knowledge, you've conquered almost all your problems, apparently. So can we have, um, I don't know who Galaxy A20 is. Could we have um, Galaxy A20 unmuted so we can hear his or her question, please? Um, I think we probably have just about another you can, five, uh, minutes. You can unmute yourself. Yeah. yeah. 
Hi there, thanks a lot for this um, presentation. Um, I just wanted to quickly ask, my name is Christine, and um, we've had so much social uh, media presence and there's been so much emphasis on, on makeup. And I have my team struggling with, oh, I've got to put my makeup before I step out. And unlike our days that you just put on your Vaseline and that was it. And every day I do tell her you're beautiful, you're okay and all that. What else can we tell our teens? Because I'm really struggling with that bit. I mean, she can't even step out of the house without a makeup on. And I'm not finding that funny, really. Um, Dr. Daisy, do you want to say something on this? That's the thing, I will start this one. <laughs> Could we have Dr. Daisy unmuted, please? Dr. Daisy, unmute yourself. Okay. I've asked you to unmute. I yeah, I'm trying to unmute. Wasn't yeah, I'm so sorry. Yeah, let me <laughs> let me change this control so that anybody can. Yeah. Yeah, that, go ahead, please. Yeah, thank you. Very good question there, Christine. Hi, Christine. <laughs> is the Christine I know. Hi, Dr. Daze. Hi. Okay, right. So, yes, I want to start with saying that you're not alone. You know, I've got my two teens, and it's a major problem everywhere. I've heard other mothers say the same. The children just want to go out without putting on their makeup. They're so, even now they're at home, they want to have their makeup on. Even with you know Zoom calls, everything they are doing, I think the first thing is to uh, know that as a mom, you're not alone. Others are going through that. The second thing is to realize it's a phase. They're not going to be like, don't get tired. Don't. You know, I said during my presentation to choose your battles, not to let them be. You know, as far as you're not the one, when I give pocket money to my kids, don't specify what they use it for. If they want to spend the whole money on makeup. It's up to them. You won't get any more money till the end of the month, you know? So it, it's, it's, it's up to them to manage their resources. If they want to put it all into makeup and hair and all that, it's up to them. So it's a phase they will get tired of it. And then another thing I try to educate them on is that these are chemicals. I often say to my kids, you need to go and remove your makeup. Clear your face, clear your skin. And I say to them, is this same skin you're going to use when you're 80 years old? You're not going to get another, another pair of another kind of skin. You've got to protect your skin. These makeup things they are mixing and selling to you are chemicals. They get absorbed into the body. They actually get absorbed through the skin into the bloodstream. Do you really want this explaining to them? Affirming them, telling them you look good. I said to my children, you're not face where you are. But sometimes it is so you can win, and it's okay to often say to me, Mom, the one I'm complaining about is it's it's all out there. They're trying to belong and they're actually doing their best not to go overboard right. so it's not to crucify them but to keep affirming them and and help them along the way wow i hope that's helpful thanks thanks thank you thank so much thank you yeah that was thank very you helpful. for that dr daisy i think we have another quest alex did you raise your alex Sunday label i think your hand was off did you want to ask 
Yeah, Alex is actually a subject matter specialist. He's my friend. <laughs> so Alex, go ahead. Yeah, I raised my hand earlier. Actually, I was about leaving because I have another meeting that is coming up in like 10, 15 minutes. So I was just um, oh, sorry about text that. that. I was just leaving. Um, thank you so much for calling me up. I know some of the people here, if he is like a sister and Dr. Snow is a brother, you know, so. When Dr. Snow was talking about you, most of our people see our, um, our people and I wanted to talk to tell us that pastors and try to talk to them. Everything, yeah, like me, I'm a Christ, very good Christian, but everything is not, like, like Dr. Snow said, is not spiritualizing it. We can also um, approach mental health, you know, we, we, still keeping our spiritual beliefs while we are taking care, while we are getting, you know, the right resources and medications that, that we need to do. And the key thing, one of the things that we are also talking about, talk much about is much of creating the awareness. I'm very happy when I saw this. I just saw this today and I said, this is one of the topics that we need to focus on bringing down home because since I came here, looking back, I know many of my friends, cousins that would have benefited with much of the therapy and medications, but we see them, oh, they are crazy. And you know, and most times people run away from them because they, like, just like you said, even sometimes we don't even want to marry from a, from a a family that you think that, oh, that person has ment mental health, but that could have just been caused by anything that happened to him. Because sometimes it could be the way they were brought up. Some of them have, P we have serious people with PTSD that have not been treated. Some of these, we have some kids that were raped and later they are behaving, they are, you know, being so um, uh, irrational in their behaviors, might just be in need to get some therapy. Yeah, but we absolutely. as parents, sometimes we don't give them the right, you know, resources that they need. So, I, in fact, I was just been chatting with my friend here that this is so good. I love this. And thank you, guys. I'll be, I'll be logging out soon, but I will be following up on this um, forum always. Thank you so much for this. Yeah, thank you, Alex. Thankfully, it's going to be a monthly event. And uh, your points are well noted. Amazing points. And I agree 100%. Thank you. So we have a lot of room to play. Thank, Thank you, so you Alex, for the, um, for the commendation. So I think we no longer have any more questions. I think no, the next we have we one missed question. a couple of questions on the chat. Yeah, we really? have one question. What's the best way to manage a child with serious mood swings? And no. do you want to go ahead and take it, please? Yeah, uh, what is the question? How to manage a child with serious mood swings? Oh. That's such a challenge for any family. I mean, some children. Oh, I children, that one. Am I muted? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, yeah. yes. When they kick off, affects the whole family. You know, it's, it's a major challenge. I think uh, the, the, the first thing to do is to try and find out why that, why that child is kicking off. 
have they always something changed? Some, some children may have been faced with a traumatic event, like we said here, you know, so many times. They may have witnessed a, a house fire, for example, or been in a, an accident, all that plays on their mind and helps uh, and makes them manifest uh, this sort of anger mood, terrible mood swings. So when the child starts, it's important that the adults around, around the child stay calm. You can't have everybody kicking off. The child is already out of control. So the adults have to, you, you can't be shouting, the child is shouting, you, the mom, you're shouting. No one is in control. When they shout, you lower your voice. Keep lowering, keep going lower. So the child even begins to feel foolish for screaming so much. The child may need some time out. Right, go to your room, go and stay there. You're disturbing the whole family. You stay in your room till you can calm down. And they're shouting, I'm trying to talk to you. I say, no, I can't listen to you when you're in this mood. You have to calm down first. So we try to get the child to be calm. We try to speak to their teachers, find out if they noticed anything in school. So that's not just something happening in your house. Is it a school matter? Book a meeting with the school, with the teachers, the counselors, get them to touch, talk with the child. Don't ever sit on these things. I tell parents, you can sort it out by yourself. If things are escalating, you have to get help. Get the school counselors involved, get other people involved, seek for help. Okay, so what I will say in the case of that child is they need a lot of support. Don't crucify them. If they knew how better to behave, they would. The child is struggling. They, they, they actually need help. Not to be, not to be uh, it's not for you to up <laughs> they're trying to express themselves but they're not doing it well they don't know how to so they actually need help when the parent the child is because i've recorded recorded my child misbehaving and after when everything has settled i'll say come and watch and, she, and she's shocked at her behavior you understand because when in the of that behavior she doesn't realize how far gone how how out of control she's gotten so record it and when she's show her She'll be so remorseful. She'll realize, oh, wow, this doesn't behave at all. You may need to discipline. Sometimes I take my daughter's phone, her iPad, just take all her electronics. And I say to her, that for any habit to be learned, it has to be 21 days. When you take it for 21 days, and you're like, hey, 21? For her, that sounds like two years. You know? So knowing that there's that threat of, I'm going to take electronics for 21 days so that you learn this habit. Ah, it comes out now very, very well. <laughs> you know? and sometimes I've taken it, and maybe after two or three days, oh, that, those girls should be on her best behavior. So, because she wants to get her things back. So, we hardly ever reach 10 days, you know, but there's always that because I say to her to develop a new habit, it takes 21 days. So, when you're behaving now, if I take your electronics, you won't see that for 21 days. So, finding things that they really love that you can use to apply some discipline in a loving way. It's not to punish that. I always be parents have to be on their children's side. You know, I know my own father's love for me made me what I am today. He was he, he, he just loved his children, you know, and for us that was was all he gave us the confidence we needed. So we have to be advocates for our children. You must never be on that side and your child is on this side. You have to be on the same side with them be able to apply enough um, discipline that will help them keep in line. Let's help tough if love. you're struggling. Thank you. Yeah. Tough love. Tough love. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you so much.
Thank you. Amazing. I think um, I think that's about the, all the questions we've got um, so far. There was and one it question look like from Chiwen. Has it been answered? I think it's different. Yeah, that's the one we just answered. Now. Okay. Yeah, but they still have an opportunity to ask all your questions. This is a yeah. rare opportunity for okay. the 42 people participating. So don't feel shy. Um, this is actually, if you read my slide, one of the ways to address your public talking phobia. Some people have phobia to talk. Some people have so many questions right now, but they have phobia. So this is a platform to ask your questions and learn how to communicate. We are all family, so uh, feel free to practice. Feel free to ask for help. Nothing happens in a vacuum. Understand the situation. Don't be judgmental. And always be your own biggest fan. If you do that, your kids will model you. If you're very com a confident parent will produce confident kids. Even when you don't see the staircase, keep on finding those things you love doing. Keep on magnifying their positives. Keep on telling them, yes, you can do it. They're going to have frustrations when they go out there. They're going to have heartbreaks. They're going to break hearts and they're going to break some people's heart. Allow them to develop their, you know, protective mechanisms. Like Adesa mentioned, have that fine line between tough love, loving them and not pushing them away and still able to instill discipline because discipline is very important especially for our teenagers, especially for our youths. Do you know why? This is the period where they have a surge in testosterone. Testosterone is the female, sorry, testosterone is the sex hormone for both the male and the female. So if you don't inculcate in that balance, that ability to look at the consequences, they might indulge in certain things that might be regretful later in life. So we really have a lot of work to do and it's not something you will blink and everything is going to be perfect. Now, don't allow perfection stop you from doing good as a parent. Always do your best at any point in time. Don't compare them with anybody because growing up, your mother will compare you with your younger sister. Don't do that with your kids. That's the fastest way to, do, to destroy your family. Know each and every strength in them. Encourage them. Interact with them. They might have some areas they are struggling in Help them to find meaning. Help them to understand that failure is also part of success. Help them to develop interest in their passion. Things they love doing can over time become what they will actually do to earn a lot of money. You know, let them not be zombies. Don't raise zombies. Don't raise yes people. Allow them to air their opinion. Have some family interaction where everybody will show up and share their views. So these are the little things we can do a journey. You see, parenting it's not a destination, it's a journey. And before you blink, these kids are going to grow old in your very eyes, and they're going to be adults. And you'll be wondering what happened to time. So I thank think you guys have, so Sorry, I think we have um, Uzezi who wants to ask another question. Is it, do you want to speak, Uzezi? Can you unmute yourself and ask the question? Good evening. Can you hear me, please? Yes, we can. Sure. Okay, good evening. Thank you, Face Youth, um, Dr. Chudi and Dr. Adesi. Um, concerning moods, something occurs to me. How, how important is temperament when discussing mental health? Because we have the sanguines and who are very busy. 
So it's easy to tell if something changes in their moods. So what about the phlegmatics and the melancholy? If you have kids like that, how do you go about that? Uh, very important questions. I think an understanding of temperament is really key, honestly, for every parent, because you will find that your children are of different temperaments. Realize that they tend to treat them all the same. You know, I have kids who are so different in their temperament. You know, so um, but however, if you know your child's temperament, then you know their usual way of reacting. You know their usual way of behavior. So when there's a deviation from that, then you can tell. You know, so even for the melancholy who just wants to do things, you know, they're so into themselves. You will see a melancholy when they keep their cup here. <laughs> they, they don't want to shift head even one inch. You know, so even with those sort of people who are so into themselves, you can still tell when there's a change. The melancholy, for example, is quite uh, emotional, easily hurts. They're very, they're, they're quite uh, little things, things to be done in a specific way. But if there's a deviation, and a mom who is um, watching should tell. The sanguine child is out there, very friendly. So if you come into a situation and the child who is usually so friendly is not, Maybe that there's a bully around, you know, is she afraid of someone in the vicinity? So there, there must be something that has changed a bit, you know. Then you have your phlegmatic who is so afraid, you know, doesn't like any trouble. They, they, they easily give in to others. Those sort of children can be uh, taken advantage of. The phlegmatic is peace loving, they don't like trouble, so they will give in to people. And they can be um, taken advantage of. So I think the best thing really is for every parent to learn about temperaments and then look at each of their children. You can even give other kids the temperament test. You do this and tell me what you got. You might be surprised what you find. And when sure. they also understand, okay, this child, I'm a choleric. Oh, okay, is that why I'm always so forceful? I want to be lead and everything. Then the child begins to understand. In a gathering, you, you don't have to always one in charge. You can give all that a chance. So you learning about this as a parent and getting your children to understand it can actually help them to build on their strengths. Choleric is a born leader. They, they want to take charge all the time, but that won't work well in a social situation because the choleric must give other people a chance to be part of what is happening. So the child then likes, okay, my natural tendency is to go in there and take over, but I must learn to control that and give others a chance. So I'll, I'll really say for everyone to learn about temperament and teach their children. Thank, Thank you, you so Dr. much. Daisy. Thank you. Um, I was going to say that we're almost running out of time. Actually, we have overrun over time. And we don't <laughs> hope to keep time. us... We don't yeah. hope to keep us here for longer. So we will be going on to the 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 spin wheel to, to decide determine who goes home with the with the prize for today. Yeah. yeah. So so I wanted to ask. I know we are in the era. Ebenezer, are you ready? I know we are in the era of equality. So Frank, did you send the names to Ebenezer? Sorry, sorry. Sorry. Is it is it only for is, is, are we applying equity and justice? Yes, this? we are. I mean, um, so are said, we also part of the spin wheel? So the I think it says that the prizes for attendees.